0: The amount of people that I see that, you know, you'll come up to them, you know, I don't do a lot of selling anymore, but but they come up to the staff and go, oh, you know, I, I wouldn't want your job. And, and for, you know, for me, realizing what it does for the staff that, and, and everybody, you do six weeks in that job, your life's changed forever yeah. because you just, you have, to, there's, there's a scoreboard. You have to. You have to do the things required to to get consistent results, right. and that means mastering your attitude. That means being grateful. That means learning, you know, really learning how to read people, learning how to build rapport and get people to like you, learning how to control a conversation, learning how to be persistent, which is really tough for a lot of people. These are all really core business skills.
1: Right, and doing all those things quite quickly, yeah.
0: Yeah, very much, really in the deep end. So there's, it's a very immersive experience, and it just that's why it sort of shapes people. But. Uh, I just I, I find it funny people go, oh, you know, I, I wouldn't want your job. And I, I, I instantly get the flashback. Have you seen the movie Troy with yeah, Brad Pitt? And they go, and he goes, oh, I wouldn't want to fight him. Yeah, and he puts yeah. the helmet on his, he and that's why no one will remember your name.
1: Hey, legends. Welcome to another episode of The Interchange Podcast. And thanks for joining me, your host, Ben Lowe. Now, before we go any further, I do have a very small favor to ask, and that is if you haven't already and you've been enjoying the content, please don't forget to go and hit that subscribe button. And don't forget to share this with just one of your friends because the more eyes we get on this and the more subscribers for the platform, the bigger and better guests I'm going to be able to give you and the more value that's going to bring for you guys. But over into the episode now. So my next guest is a best-selling author, an MMA fighter, and also the CEO of one of the biggest face-to-face sales companies in Australia. But not only that, FCOM, which is his company, just won Best Place to Work in Australia all round. So let me introduce to you Barrett Kennett. Now, the thing that I love about Barrett is not his sales expertise or nothing to do with business at all, really. It's his ability to be able to put the right pegs in the right holes. And when I say the right pegs in the right holes, I mean the right people in the right places to help them to excel and grow as he has done time and time again within his own workplace and also with people around him in his own life. So I actually was very intrigued by a lot of the conversation we had here where we're talking about psychology and the way that the human mind works. So if you're into that kind of stuff, this is the podcast for you. I'll see you over in the episode. Take number three. Let's try that again. <laughs> Barrett, brother, really appreciate you coming out having yarn on the Interchange podcast today, bro. How are you, my friend? I'm feeling good. Feeling really good, yeah. Probably even better because you just got a massive accomplishment with your business being rated number one business to work for in Australia. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Tell me more about that, bro. How does that take place?
0: Well, they do. So the company is called Great Place to Work. So there's, they're the main one in Australia that does, I mean, it's international, but that's the, sort of the biggest one that yeah. recognizes company culture and employee satisfaction. So basically, do your staff like working there? And it rates it across a lot of different categories. And I think that, you know, where we may have been a little deficient in terms of flexibility or, you know, where other companies have it, Mm -hmm. what, what I've always focused on was if your guys are having fun, they're making money and they're growing. And that's the big one is that they're, even if it's not so much their, you know, if they're not progressing in their career, which they they're realistically they should be as well, their skills are leveling up at all times. So I think just making people feel, even though what we do isn't an easy job, like my my cousin's husband, who's the coolest guy I've ever met in my life, he his job, he literally drives a golf buggy around the hospital and does it once a week has to fight off a crackhead and the rest of the time he spends just cruising around. He to
1: work on the Gold Coast then. That's yeah, <laughs> That's
0: an easy job. Like this, what yeah. we do, it's not an easy job, but yeah. it's fulfilling. And I think that something that I'm really excited about in when, when terms of winning that, you know, that category mm. was it's showing people that easy isn't good. If you, if you really want to feel fulfilled, you need to do something that challenges you and demands more of you. And I think that's, that's probably what I'm most stoked about is I want to, I want to be able to create a place where, where people go, Hey, why are all those guys, why do they always end up so successful or why are they always so happy? because we we've, we've had 9 people in in 6 years of operation to go 5 coming up on 6 years 9 of our staff have gone and started their own successful businesses yeah. after working with us for a year yeah. and I'm thrilled about it because all me being able to say that gets better people in the door yeah. you know as we go but i you know it really is showing that if you want to grow there's you can't do that in a comfort zone and I know that's something I like that you sort of teach as well
1: massively brother massively speaking of comfort zone what you guys do is actually pretty out of the comfort zone for most people so door knocking yeah how did that come about so how did you start a business in door knocking and then become so successful doing it,
0: it it's actually a pretty cool story because um I, I initially started out I was working in nightclubs because I was I was fighting at the time I was fighting professionally at the yeah. time and obviously you can't you, you can't work in the daytimes if you're taking your training really seriously yeah. so i was just working promotions and nightclubs doing hosting basically i would just try and get all the pretty girls in for free and mm-hmm. then just make the line really big and it was look there's worse jobs to have <laughs>
1: yeah definitely um,
0: but i i ended up getting fired from that because what i was doing i was doing a thing called greasing the door where you, you basically you packed the line because i was really good at just making it hyped and packing the lineup for the nightclubs yeah. And then you'd look for all the guys with money and or groups with money, and you just go, "You guys coming in?" They go, "Oh, I'm not with that line." And You go, yeah, "Yeah, just put fifty each in a handshake. I'll walk you straight through." Um, <laughs> which I, make, I used to make a lot of money doing. It. I mean, a lot of, at the time. It was like you know, an extra thousand bucks a week oh, was yeah. better than a poke in the eye. Yeah, hundred um, percent, bloody gypsy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but then yeah, what I obviously I got caught doing that, and I went out a couple of nights later and just ran into some random guy. Um, and we've just sort of the universe just kind of smushed us together. Yeah. And and he literally just said, what are you doing now? I go, no, nothing really. He goes, you do sales? <laughs> He's a very intense guy. And I was like, oh, no. And he goes, you'd be good at sales. And I was like, thanks. He goes, do you want to do sales? <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> right. Um, and and so I got into the job and it was literally just selling, you know, in, you know the guys you see in the shopping centers just hustling. Yep. So it wasn't actually door to door. I was doing shopping centers to start. And it was just one of those things that I just like, uh, you know, every so often you stumble onto something you were meant for. I hear and- that
1: loud and fucking clear, bro. Yeah. yeah, loud and clear, man. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I was very lucky because the, the that guy. It turns out he's one of the best ever, yeah. the absolute nutcase. Like, I think he ended up getting deported from Australia. He's a Kiwi guy. Like, <laughs> definitely not in terms of integrity, not the best guy. Which you yeah. know you do sometimes find in sales, but of um, but just set this incredible. Like the the average person gets maybe you know in my industry gets about two to five signups a day. Mm. Right. And he got, he he did nine in front of me on my first day. And so by the end of my first week, I did 16, which was you know, it was pretty, pretty good for anybody. Really but, bro, but he, yeah. he says to me, he goes, uh, all right, well, we go, we're going to Logan Hyperdome, which wasn't like anywhere special, yeah. but he hyped it up and he goes, so we're, I reckon we can do a hundred next week. And he's got these big eyes. And he was like. Okay, cool. And my second ever week, he did 49 and I did 51. He was winning, but we got drunk on the Thursday and he couldn't back it up. Right. And, <laughs> and it turns out only maybe 1% of people in the industry get 50 in a week. Yeah. And, and so, but because, and that's, that's called the Pygmalion theory is the idea that whatever standard you set for somebody, mm. they'll, they'll meet that standard right. because he set that standard for me. I just. I, I literally only knew how to be excellent because I didn't know anything else. Yeah. So I was very fortunate in that regard to have that on me right away. Yep. Um. And then I did it for nine nine months or so and, and I was, you know, I was setting records and, it, you know, it was, you know, it was a very fun experience and I had, you know, the people around me were pushing me to be better, but I got a degree. I got a double degree, a double major in marketing and market communication because I wanted to work in advertising Yes. And, so, and I, I, so I quit because I wanted to get a real job, even though I was making...
1: A <laughs> real job.
0: Yeah, because I was making good money and I was having fun and I was being challenged, but I... You know, you you've got these presuppositions in your head about what face to face sales and direct sales is, yeah, and we just you- saw
1: that like sales and money in general is bad, right? As,
0: yeah, but particularly like shopping center and door knocking guys. Yeah. The, the amount of people that I see that you know, you'll come up to them. You know, I don't do a lot of selling anymore, but but they come up to the staff and go, "Oh, you know, I, I wouldn't want your job." And, and for, you know, for me, realizing what it does for the staff that, and, and everybody, you do six weeks in that job, your life's changed forever yeah. because you just, you have, there's, there's a scoreboard. You have to. You have to do the things required to, to get consistent results. Right. And that means mastering your attitude. That means being grateful. That means learning, you know, really learning how to read people, learning how to build rapport and get people to like you, learning how to control a conversation, learning how to be persistent, which is really tough for a lot of people. These are all really core business skills.
1: Right. And doing all those things quite quickly, yeah?
0: Yeah, very much. Really in the deep end. So there's it's a very immersive experience and it just, that's why it sort of shapes people. But- uh, I just I, I find it funny people go, oh, you know, I, I wouldn't want your job. And I, I, I instantly get the flashback. Have you seen the movie Troy with yeah, Brad yeah. Pitt? And, and he goes, oh, I wouldn't want to fight him. Yeah, and he puts yeah. the helmet he on and that's why no one will remember your name.
1: Hey, hello. Sorry for interrupting your podcast, but I just wanted to quickly jump on and tell you about the must-have personal development tool for 2023. And it's called the Happier, Healthier You Journal. So I'll take you back to about six years ago. I'd just gotten out of jail for the last time and was starting my journey of personal development and growth. There was heaps of gurus, heaps of information available, but so much so that it became confusing. So I came up with the Happier, Healthier You journal to help you to navigate what can be an absolute minefield. From the very get-go, you open the page and it'll challenge you to dive deep with self-assessments, daily activities and check-ins to figure out exactly where you're at, where you'd like to be. And then from there, the journal becomes the tool to help you to bridge that gap. So to get your hands on this, click on the link below and don't forget to use interchange10 at checkout for a cheeky 10% off
0: i'll see you back over on the episode yep. you know and and anyone that you know, people that don't take the jobs will sometimes we'll get people in, not so much anymore because our branding's so good and obviously the awards and all that help, yeah. but you'd still get people that'll apply for the job and then we'll, we'll offer them a position. They go, ah, oh, actually I want this, you know, this, this more glamorous, more whatever job. And in my head, I'm just like, you don't want to be successful. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't, re- you say you want to learn the things and you've got the you golden be awesome, opportunity, man. which I think having that level of certainty, cause you got to remember when you're as a business owner interviewing for positions, that's a sale. Yeah. Right. And, and everything's a sell. Everything's a, And it's the same skills that I remembered learning, you know, 10 years ago, learning yeah, how to yeah. sell yep. from when I was like do, stripping back in the day. <laughs> right. So now it's all, not that I strip for interviewees, you know, yeah, I, no, no, okay. I, uh, some, I think that's the some, one that we
1: did that was, <laughs> that was off the books, right? That was role play. That's, yeah, didn't,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it is, it's, it's really, it's having that level of certainty in what you're in, what you're offering people it's uh you know there's a i, I saw uh, it was an interview he calls it the the 120 principle mm. and, and where he says if if i believe when i'm selling something i got to believe that i'm giving you a hundred dollars and you're only giving me 20 bucks that that i'm asking you to give me 20 bucks for a hundred dollar note. that's yeah. when you believe in what you're selling that much it's it, people have a hard time and they'll test you they'll test you for congruency here and there but they have a hard time saying no and i think for the right people for us, which is, and it's really only two things. If we, if we're looking for a good staff and I think this is why the culture is so good is because we don't hire people we wouldn't have a beer with on our own.
1: I hear that, man. Yeah. yeah. These are people you surround yourself with for a big portion of the week.
0: What? And it, it really is a, a factor of, and I think that's part of the allure is that everyone's motivated because there's, mm-hmm. there's two, the two H's that we look for, right? you got to be hungry and humble. Yeah. Right. Because number one, I can't teach you to be motivated. And if I, if I, if my leaders are spending their time trying to motivate you rather than just hiring motivated people, you're wasting a lot of time and effort to do that. So, so I think that the, the hunger I need, I need people with an above average desire to be successful. And also I need coachability. Right. And one of the questions, the easiest way to tease that out in an interview, you, you get them bigging themselves up a bit and telling you about their accomplishments. And then you go, cause I, one of the questions I like to ask is like, look, if you want a winning team, you need a team full of winners. So what have you done in your life to demonstrate you're an achiever? Have you won any competitions?
1: Yeah. And it's like true, uh, like, like trying to see if they have
0: much grit well it's it's what if somebody has won some sort of competitive sport or any sort of real hard competition what do they have they're competitive mm. they're tenacious yeah. right they don't blame anybody when things go wrong because they need to learn how to grow from their failure they stay where they are yeah right and frankly they're just tough they yeah. don't they don't get down on themselves they don't think something goes wrong and they don't go i suck i give up they go i did something wrong how can i get better yeah. so we'll tease out that and get them bigging themselves up and then i'll say now look it is easy to tell me uh, uh, you know about your strengths in an environment like this can you tell me a little bit about your weaknesses mm. and it, i don't give a sh- i don't ca- care is this is a swearing podcast
1: fuck yes
0: great i don't give a shit <laughs> i don't give a shit what they say so i've been doing a few podcasts lately so it's yeah. been like you know some are everyone's got slightly different rules but yeah. but i don't really give a shit what they say i, I want to see how quickly they say something yeah. I, I, because what you'll find is the people that that come across really good but really they're narcissistic they just they either can't come up with something or it'll take them oh ah it's a good question. And you, or you watch the eye just darning Like, yeah, I, yeah.
1: you see all the stuff coming up in their head, but they don't want to talk about it. It's at, almost like they can't take ownership of the shit that they feel might be an insecurity for them. Right?
0: And, and they'll, more often than not, they'll end up giving you like another strength. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, you know, I just
1: I don't know, but I'm pretty good at.
0: Yeah. Ah, oh, no, no, it's not even like that. They'll be like, uh-uh, yeah. Look. One thing is I tend to, I tend to really focus on things. Like I tend to like get really just too like, you know, like, or, you know, yeah. or, oh, you know, I just, I really like to win. I, I just find I might be too competitive. It's like, those are good traits. Why yeah, are you, yeah, yeah. So, so even just that, if they've aced the whole, you know, rest of the interview, because I leave it at the end because you sort of soften them up a bit. Mm-hmm. Once I get to that last one, if I can tell that they are either not hungry or what you get at the start. I literally just go. So what ideally would you? What ideally are you looking for for yourself at the moment? Before I don't even build rapport. I don't even get to know them a bit. I just straight into it. And that, and because you want to try and catch them off guard. And they go. Yeah. And if they go, I want to learn sales. That's a hire, yeah. right? Or if they go, green light. Yeah, I really want. Or I call it three Cs, right? So cash, career, culture. Yeah. If they want to make money, yeah. Right. Which again shows motivation. If they want to grow personally or professionally. Which is your career, or they just want to add value to something bigger than themselves? Because those players are really good in a team as well. That—that's what you're looking for. But anything else, you go. What ideally are you looking for for yourself at the moment? And they go, ah, oh, my my last job sucked. You know, this my, my last employer was this this. It's like get out of here. If yeah. The the worst one you can do is they like, oh, go. I just want something full time. Yeah. it's like well, you don't belong here. Like,
1: <laughs> I'm happy to just get the paycheck.
0: Yeah, it's oh, like I don't
1: want to perform. I just want the paycheck, and
0: they're telling you right away that that's your Gen Z, Millennial, you know, give me everything, and I don't, do, I don't have to do anything yeah, mentality. Give, you know, give me
1: my thousand bucks a week. I don't care about commissions. I'm probably just going to go out and walk around and maybe smoke some pot behind our house.
0: Nothing more dangerous in a sales organization than people that don't make commissions. Yeah, people who don't make commissions because because what it shows you is that they're comfortable, they're complacent, and that's that's a cancer in any organization, especially in sales.
1: Possibly, bro. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you're a pretty confident guy. Um, that really comes across even try, in, yeah. in, the, in the podcast, man. Have you always? Is being confident like as a child what was it like for you growing up did you have good
0: role models uh, to, to teach you the leadership skills that you have I, so what i've noticed in uh in especially because most of my my job is is like performance psychology yeah. right because we've got, got all the systems in place and all the leaders are really good and you know i, I don't have to do much anymore mm-hmm. and so most of what i'm doing is basically mentoring and helping people either figure out how to get to where they want faster or how to overcome the things that are in their way. And this is one thing that I've, I've realized is coming from a, a nuclear family with parents that loved me, which is, don't get me wrong, we had our, our fair of struggles. Like it's not like, you know, life's been a cakewalk for me. But it's had its ups and downs, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But having especially a dad that just loved me unconditionally, but still was able to hold boundaries with me, yeah. 90% of people being fucked up comes from and it's normally from the dad right that either wasn't there didn't love them didn't know how to love them was was emotionally volatile or abusive right or and this one is particularly prevalent for women in relationships right is they didn't say no to them Mm -hmm. right it it really it does a lot having a dad that that i wouldn't say spoils you but just never sets boundaries sets terrible like you see a lot of one of one of my one of my good mates is a guy named mark rosenfeld uh he's so he runs a, a a business called Make Him Yours. So he's one of the top three uh dating like dating coaches for women in the world and best guy you've ever met in your life. Literally one of the just one of the most genuine, sweet human beings and just so organically him there's no yeah. there's he doesn't need to impress anybody he's just a great bloke yeah. and that's one of the things that he, he i read his book is, is so the book's called make him yours yeah. and but it's this like bright pink book with like a a cover on it and i remember because I, I do a lot of reading on planes i remember <laughs> I because you got to read your mate's books right and i yeah. and i just caught the eye of this like tradey bloke and he looked at me looked me up and down and he just went <laughs> like, and I couldn't be, I couldn't be like, no, no, it's my mate. But yeah, I said yeah. to oh, cop it on own the it. chin, he's own it. but it is. And so, so I think that, you know, what, what a lot is what's, and it's not to say that you can't be confident without a stable father figure. Yeah. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a, you know, a lot of people's parents, you know, pass away or, you know, or, you know, bail or whatever. Having a stable father figure, someone that in your life that really cares about you and loves you. I just yeah. think it's like steroids for business. Right. It really is. Like I the, met your dad. He's a fucking legend. He's bro. the GOAT. He's, yeah, the, he's yeah. the best human being in the history of the world. And And I think just being able to have someone who understood me and no matter how bad I screwed up was there. I, I would be lying if I told you that, you know, my confidence comes from, you know, affirmations and good routine and, you know, all of that. And, and th- that is to say, you know, if you, a, a very easy confidence hack is have a code that you abide by yep. and be disciplined, right? Because if you've got morals and discipline towards something, that's going to hack almost all of your neurochemistry to keep you as happy as possible. Yeah, but, yep. but from the, from the internal side is just being brought up knowing that I was enough. Like that's one out of every 10 kids gets that. So I'm, Thank I'm incredibly great. I, I'm, I'll tell you one story. So we, cause dad was always he was pretty, he was ADD before ADD was a thing. Right. <laughs> and, and, but he, and he had a pretty cool life cause he, he started out. Uh, so there he was from Mount Isa originally and way up in the country. Mm. And his dad owned a, like a safe company. And one day he dropped one of the safes on his toe and like pancaked his toe. And he just could, so he couldn't walk for like a year. And, uh, and so dad had to take over the business and then he realized that there was a market for, this is before a video camera, but like convex mirrors, you know, the big circular yeah, mirrors. Yeah. And so he started installing all of those and then they moved to the Gold Coast and he, he, he then video started coming online and, and, uh, like the sensor alarms. Mm. And because he already had all the contacts, he just went back through and resold because he could sell and, you know, all of that. Yeah. And so he actually did quite well, but he just hated crawling through. He hated dealing with security guards, and he hated crawling through roofs. Yeah. So he sold that business, but did like for to I think it was to ch- Chub for a couple mil. Yeah. And he started a satellite company, so literally launching satellites into space, and, which is just <laughs> a good. Why not? You know, like he's yeah, he's the man. Yeah, right. But but we also did you know there's another story for another time. But we also did lose everything, yeah. and we had to move from Bermuda. That's why I got the accent to yeah. America. Yeah. Um. But he couldn't get a green card because it was really hard to get work in America if you were an immigrant. Mm-hmm. And so we literally went from living in mansions to literally being in like a dingy back back alley hotel and we were getting government food stamps because in America they don't just give you dole like yeah, Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Australia's get it pretty good, right? Yeah, bro. But they literally well, give you. can go buy my
1: crack. <laughs> Can't swap a food stamp for that.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, but so you literally get these like receipts almost, and you've got to take them in. Yeah, man. And we were getting we were getting donations from like Salvation Army and stuff. Like it was it was like a total difference in life. And I I've definitely learned a lot from having both. And it's yeah, it's bro. I've grown a lot from the experience. And I think I think they you know the, the family has as well. Yeah uh but i remember right, right as he started the um the satellite company one of the engineers and you know what engineers are like very task focused people. Mm. And he, and I was always like a, you know, I was a daydreaming kid. I was, yeah. you know, and I still am to this day. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I, I, you know, and dad and I, like I didn't even used to get to get read bedtime stories. Dad and I would like make them. So we'd go, we'd go to bed at like, you know, like bedtime at like seven and from seven to like seven to eight, we would just like, like ad lib stories together. So I've always been like bred to have this imagination.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and I remember I was talking to one of the, uh, one of the engineers and he was super condescending. He was one of those guys, with a big white mustache, white beard, you know, kind of like a skinny Kenny Rogers. And, uh, <laughs> and he, and you know, just, just in the way that, you know, people, the older people who don't have kids condescend kids and yeah. down and he goes, Oh, okay. Hey, little bear. Like, what do you, what do you like to do? And I, and I was just really earnest. I said, I love to daydream. Yeah. And he started laughing at me and not in like a polite laugh, like a, like a really, no, like a, like, okay, he's going to be a slacker then, like a yeah. judgmental laugh. And I'd never experienced judgment in my life to that point. I was only like five years old. And I remember uh, dad kind of realized what happened. He politely ended the conversation and he moved me around the corner and he, and he took a knee next to me and got on my level. And I was looking at him in the eyes and he goes, don't worry about it. Guys like that will never understand guys like us. People like that will never understand people like us. It's fine. Keep dreaming. And for That's the, the for the thing, rest bro. of my life. I, I could I could write a book one day called Keep Dreaming, you know. It's just And you have written a few books, haven't you? I have actually, yeah. Um so yes. But I think in terms of um yeah, in terms of confidence, I just I think having a dad best thing ever who would love me unconditionally no matter what I did and would tell me no, if I was being an idiot.
1: Yeah.
0: And if you're, if you have kids and, or if you're planning on having kids, best advice I can give you, which take it with a grain of salt. Cause I, I don't have kids yet, but you know, starting at the end of the year, hopefully. But um, yeah, right. but literally those, you two, those are the two things that got me to being confident and proficient was just knowing I can screw up as much as I like, and I'm still loved. Yeah. And here are, here are the rules to function in society.
1: It's huge, right? Yeah, yeah, really enjoyed that. So you've always been a bit of a leader as well. Um, I guess with what you're doing with work now. You're not just, I guess, in the business, um, you're also part of the business still. Um, how did you start to develop that culture within your workplace and then I guess um start to create more leaders within your workplace as well?
0: Well that it came out of necessity because the the cool thing about uh, you know, direct sales, you know, door to door shopping centers, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff is your the the sales are kind of capped like you're only going to i mean you can screw it up but yeah. the only the average output per person and profit per person isn't really going to change and so what's really interesting about it is is that let's say you make x amount per person in your team mm-hmm. well the way that you grow your profit as a business and you know put yourself in a better financial situation is by growing the headcount yeah. and so recruitment the the, the most Successful sales companies are the biggest sales companies, right? As long as they have recruitment KPIs, they've yeah, got to be. Well, right? well, you've got to be performing to a certain degree before. Some some people love throwing on staff, right? And if you and you see it, especially with the with the kind of companies that don't pay a base where it's full commission, which yep. nothing's wrong with full commission. I, I when I was fighting, I was I was better after I got hit in the head. And so when I started selling and I started on full commissions, being, you know, getting to work and being on zero dollars, that was my punch in the head. Yeah, like, oh, all right, yeah, I'm yeah. going to fight.
1: A bit of a hard knock, right?
0: Yeah, well, but it, it got me, it woke me up every day and I was ready to play. There was no, there was no coasting. And I saw, I don't, di- I don't disagree with full commission, but I think it does, it makes it too easy for narcissistic leaders, ones who don't, who, who transparently don't care about any of their, any of their staff it's easy for them to just sell a bullshit dream and, you know, basically pyramid scheme it. And so, and cause obviously we pay a full-time salary. And yeah. so that's where you've got to be, you know, that's that higher, slow, fire, fast kind of model. Mm-hmm. And, and you, there is a real art form in maximizing your growth without ruining your culture or letting your, letting your sales drop. Um, but so, but it came out of necessity because we, we couldn't get past, I tried, I tried so hard. I couldn't get past 10 guys for like a year. Yeah. And which, you know, and, and for me, I'd, I'd always kind of been very, you know, it's like, okay, set my mind to it. Let's go. But uh, yeah, we went to, we, we, we just kept dipping between, you know, we'd go all the way up to 11 and then back down to seven and all the way up to 12 and then back yep. down to, you know, and I, and I realized the problem was that I was, uh, I was doing too much. And not that I'd ever had a problem delegating. Cause that's why a lot of other businesses, especially when I do coaching with other businesses, most of them just struggle to, let things reflect on them poorly.
1: Yeah,
0: and it's like, yeah, but they, they're only going to do it seventy percent as good as you because yeah. it's not their business, yeah, right? Exactly right. Uh, let alone the competency involved to get you to where you are in the first place. But if you've got, if it's a a a, a, a non-limit, you know, resource like if it's like sales, for instance, mm. well, two people doing seventy percent is one hundred and forty percent. Yeah, and so just understanding that it's okay to give a little bit in terms of quality if you can if you can maximize the quantity it doesn't yeah, mean that, that you want to it doesn't mean you want to throw quality out the window yeah. um but i think that that's a, a really powerful thing for people to understand so so but it wasn't the the delegation for me that was the issue the issue was that i loved being the hero all the time <laughs> i loved being the person that would come in and save the day and yep. you know and it was an ego thing.